Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life. Get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck, and come to Ohana Fest in a couple weeks. That's a new one. The 29th, wow, 30th, and the 31st. Yes, we stop are going to be. Stop dying and come to Ohana Fest. Oh, my God. We're going to be on. On the oh. the uh, Sunday, Sunday we're playing Sunday Sunday. with the Pretenders and the Foo Fighters. Oh my God, that's man. gonna be great! So, so I'm very excited. I was, uh, but but this this is a bigger thing. I know how our show is supposed to be about drugs, but it's half about music. So yeah. me and my <laughs> me and my friends have been talking about, um, you know, just uh, just certain bands and certain eras and whatever. And I just stated that yesterday, 1979 to 1984 is the greatest five years of album releases in the history of music. You know, I love making statements like that, Jack. Yes, but if you go, but if you go to 79 to 84, it's uh, it's like you could take all of the new millennium, and it doesn't add up to that five years. Really? All of the last 23 years do not add up to those five so years. when was the first Thelonious Monster album? <laughs> no, we're not in that category. But the <laughs> Dead Kennedys are, the Circle Jerks are, Black Flag is, uh, uh, the first Chili Peppers is, Replacements is. Oh, but I'm talking about Smiths, Talking Heads. All the Talking Heads records were made in, in that except for the first album. So in those five years, <laughs> most uh, yeah, most of the most of the Clash records were made in that era. Most of the great Elvis Costello records were made in that five years. Did like, you go it's from seventy seven? Did you go from seventy seven? No, seven five years, seventy nine yeah. to eighty four. Seventy seven. You got you got to add seventy seven. No, oh, then you go to eighty two and you miss out. You got Radio oh, Bird, man. Bird, you got the man. fucking oh yeah. my god. Give so me a fucking break. We're talking about the, the greatest band in the world. We're talking about the Smiths <laughs> in the same breath as Radio Birdman. Radio Birdman, the Ramones, nineteen seventy seven. No, come on, the damned. The Ramones, Rock and Roll High School comes out in seventy nine. Rock, 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 rock. I think you're gonna have to. I think yeah. you're gonna have to fudge it a couple of years earlier. No, yeah. you're, you'll miss. I'm talking about. See, this is where Mike the and best I. Seven years. This is where this is where years. my this is where Mike and I drift off. <laughs> I'm talking about the Smiths and the Talking Heads and the Clash and Elvis Costello, and Mike's talking about Radio Birdman. Radio Birdman, excellent, but, excellent. But isn't <laughs> but isn't Armed Forces and this year's model, my aim is true. Isn't this year's model, uh, my aim is true is not in it, and this year's model is not. The armed forces is seventy nine. Oh. Like you just look at I the. It was I, I'm, no, seventy nine. He London played Calling Hollywood. Seventy seven. So no, London Calling was seventy nine. Okay, so they're. I like to give them enough rope. That's not giving them. Yeah, that's seventy. Rope that's that's seventy. You gotta, you gotta cut the practice records out, Chuck. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> Every man oh, has to have practice. The seminal, most influential records that we've got to get rid of. <laughs> no man, that's just... no London Calling. When that boom, 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 that the. It took That's all those record. first. I can't argue. That, I wouldn't argue. Just that opening of that album is just like 
this is this is a new world. This is a you new gotta world. Fuck, you got to fuck. You got to fuck. I'm, you know, this, this completely off, Bob. Because Exile on Main Street <laughs> is not in no, there. No, no, no. Are you We're telling not talking me? about fucking hippies and shit. We're talking about Hippie. our generation. Talking about my generation. I was 18. I graduated from high school in 1979. Exile on Main Street was 1972. I know that you can't compare that era. I'm talking about that, that five years when you look at in 72 is also the first, it, you know, a lot of, a lot of shit comes out in 73 bad company. And you know, like yeah, but that's, of, that's yeah. a whole different, like, yeah, but to, you, yeah, you can't compare bad company. And, you can't compare bad company to fucking the Smiths. Come on. So, so, Anyways, I, I just, um, <laughs> I'm just obsessed. I'm head. obsessed with 1979 <laughs> oh, to 84. Man. You don't have to start well, in 72, start in 72 and go to 77. You're going to have like deep purple records in there. There's not that much great. Super Tramp, that, Bob. Super Tramp. Oh, yeah. Get Super Tramp. They're in there too in your Boyfriend, boyfriend. Breakfast in America. Foreigner. We're oh, not talking yeah. about solo music. We're talking about bands. Oh. <laughs> well, then you quit too soon because you left out Kaja Gugu. <laughs> 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 but I did. You know what? Duran Duran was 81. This is why no, no young people respect rock music. Because you, <laughs> you, because you joke about it like Kaja Juju or whatever <laughs> is, something, is something worth talking about. Because Elvis no, is no, just no. going to go, oh, Mike Mart likes Radio Birdman. I'll click on one song on Spotify. Oh, my God. Oh, They're great. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> go. But, my God, but he's right. Early, early 80s music opened up a lot of doors. Punk rock was kind of one, I don't know, it was a one-trick pony for a minute. But then then the post-punk stuff happened and some great Dude, stuff. Dude, okay, I'll get, Mike, I'll, get, I'll get Mike Mart on board. Mike Mart, all the pill records are from 79 metal box is 79 flowers of romance is 82 i think um like pill public image so think of the bands you would go see because it came out because the talking heads re-released -re their movie you know about this that stopped making sense mm -hmm. and so i was talking to a friend of mine that went and saw the the movie in Boston or New York or something, the premiere or something. And I said, you know, I don't want to outdo you, but I was at one of the shows. Guess who I went to the Talking Heads filming of Stop Making Sense with at the Pantages Theater? Guess, Mike Mart, who I went with to that concert. Uh, was it a long time ago? Yeah, it's 81 or something. Oh, 80, I would say you went with Bill Scobell. Nope. Top Jimmy. Top, Top Jimmy. Jimmy Top Jimmy knew the door, the side load-in door guy, Pantages. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw a greatest picture of Top Jimmy. I mean, he just looked young and mean and fucking like he'd just kick your ass. But and see, but would you ever think Top Jimmy would like the talking heads? He loved the talking heads. Yeah, no. That I, was what was great about punk rock, Chuck. You liked mm -hmm. a, a blues punk rock guy could like talking heads now once it became warp tour it was all rules and wrecks you can't like that you can't like this you gotta dress like this you gotta do that you gotta have this thing you have to your songs have to sound like this before that in that era from 79 to you can say from 76 to 84 there were no rules and everybody liked good music right 
First time I heard the Smiths, I was like, wow, who is that? Who the fuck is that? Yeah. It really wasn't a music that I, you know, was obsessed with. I wasn't a part of the Veil crowd or whatever. I just heard that voice and the way and the things. I, I remember hearing the Smiths on Rodney on the Rock and thinking, the fuck is that? The guy's singing so pretty and it sounds like it's he's going to commit suicide. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that gets your that gets your attention. Like oh la la yeah. la la, I'm gonna kill myself. I gotta ask Bob because we've had arguments about Morrissey and the Smiths, and you've said before that yeah they're not that blah blah blah. You know, you kind of were like, nah, that. What are you talking about? They're not. A, you know. So have you been exploring <laughs> your Bob Smiths? <laughs> no, I like the Smiths. I just don't like bands that break up. I think I think they're. I, I just don't like it. I don't like the bands break up in their prime. I don't like the White Stripes broke up in their prime. I don't like the Smiths broke up in their prime. I don't like, you know, it's just so Rage Against the Machine broke up in their prime. Like, I don't like, like, they. it's as if, like, I'll tell you one thing, Chuck. I may be an asshole, okay. but I, I cared about the people that liked my music. And to right. me, if you break up, you're putting the people who like your music aside, like they don't matter. What matters is my feelings about this guy. Like, well, right. you know what I mean? Like all bands break up over a disagreement between probably two people, two members. Right. And if you look at yeah. all these great bands that break up, like not that they should go on and suck. I, I'm not saying that, but I don't know. It just felt like the Smiths weren't done and they broke up. White stripes weren't done and they broke up. Um, pill, yeah, pill, pill. broke it. Yeah, Flowers when, of Romance is my favorite pill record, and they broke up like four months later. When Rotten got that shitty ass band and he started playing his PIL, that was not PIL. That was not. That was a bunch of studio fucking musicians. So, so some I do like people that persevere. I do. The Ramones persevered. If, if, Despite if personal D problems. If DD wants to quit, if DD wants to quit, we're carrying on. Right, right. You know, end of the century was one of the saddest movies ever. They were one of the most unhappy bands with each other, but they kept doing it. Chuck, and I, I, if, and Chuck, didn't show. Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. If your girlfriend of ten years left you for the guitar player in your band who you didn't like, anyways, might be a problem. <laughs> yeah, I know. Might be, might be, might be a problem. Hey, you want to know a band <laughs> that never broke up, Bob? Chili Peppers, the crowd. Crowd never oh, broke up. Crowd never broke up, man. They just but but yeah, them. just like the you know the Rolling Stones never broke up. Led Zeppelin had to stop because the best member died. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had lunch with somebody today. We both saw Led Zeppelin. He saw them in seventy. And I saw them in 77. I said they sucked. He said they were the greatest band he ever saw. It's oh. the same band, Jack. It's the same band. <laughs> different opinions. Different years, different eras. <laughs> A lot of heroin <laughs> under the bridge, I believe. So who likes In Through the Outdoor? Who likes uh, Bonham's last album, In Through the Outdoor? Oh, yeah. That Fool in the Rain, the drum solo in Fool in the Rain. It's oh, so my God. Great, man. Oh, my God. That's a great God. album. I don't know. People, you know. They overlooked that one. Well, it's sad. It's a sad record. Because isn't yeah. all of isn't all of my love on there? Or is yeah. that on yeah. all of my love is yeah. about his son dying in a car accident? They were in the car. Yeah. Do you know the story, Chuck? 
Yeah, I do. It's so sad. Like, and then yeah. the note to know that and listen to that song, I just still cry. I feel like crying right now. Like, how much pain can a guy suffer? Then, you know, and I guess he didn't even get hurt. His wife got his wife was driving, she got a broken leg or something, and their kid died. Is that is that can you look it up? I think that's what happened. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, the kid's yeah, yeah, name is Kid's name was like Zion or something. What a sad fucking thing. Zoso. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, but that, then. I then wish I had up. a boy. If I had a boy, I was gonna, I would have named him Zoso. That would have been great. Well, you know that Louis was going to name Cash Led Zeppelin Matthew. Led Zeppelin. First name Led. Middle name Zeppelin. Matthew. <laughs> and misspelled it that. <laughs> well, we figured he'd be called Ed. Call him Ed. L N. <laughs> How great would that be to go through life without your driver's license? It just says Led Zeppelin Matthew. <laughs> That's cool. So, anyways, I got an update from a kid about fentanyl. Oh, they it is way more controlled now so what yeah. the kid on the street is telling me is he's getting are you ready for this chuck yep. mike michael michael relate to the kid chuck will know how shocking it is he's saying there's some real weak ass fentanyl out there so <laughs> 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 they're really cutting it too much chuck oh, sure nobody's dying nobody's dying but there's the weak ass fentanyl out there. They're totally ripping them off. <laughs> I think I think they, I think they are selling a lot of bunk stuff because yeah, uh, what's happening? No, nobody's dying. Like I, like it literally. If you look at the county, like it's it's a trickle of what it was even last year. So anyway, so I talked to a kid on the street, my junkies on the street, my roving reporters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he and said, it's, it's there's, a, no lot, there's a lot of weak ass metal out there. <laughs> <laughs> what a fuck. And I said to him, I, I said to him, like, dude, what am I supposed how am I supposed to respond to that? Yeah, no, kid. And he goes, he goes, dude, you used to be able to get, and he tells me like, you could get enough to kill like three people for forty dollars, and, and now, and now you can barely kill one for forty dollars. <laughs> oh God! That's a weak ass. That's a weak <sighs> ass fentanyl out there, dude. If oh you just take that God. sound, if you just take that sound bite right there and just put it somewhere, <laughs> that is fucking amazing. There's some weak ass fentanyl out there, and I was yeah, like. That's and he was pissed. He was pissed about it. He was pissed about forty dollars now to kill somebody. Because I know, imagine. So I don't understand. Is the tolerance of fentanyl? You know, I'm not dealing day to day the last couple of years. Is the tolerance for fentanyl just way high? And 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 like <clears throat> heroin won't even make them feel high. What is you what know, is I the deal? I, I don't know that that's it at all. You know how like propofol when you when you go into a surgery, how it just puts you out but i it, guess well yeah like when you're going when you count backwards from 10 and you get to nine and then you wake up with a tube in your throat saying i've never had that. Things. i've never had that um well it, it the people would were telling me that you only had to overdose twice to 
have tolerance. So you build up a tolerance pretty quick, but it's a different chemical. It's a different, it's a different thing. I think people can still get. So high. heroin and fentanyl aren't the same thing. Let's be, let's, let's break it down for the people at home. And so I know and can act smart. So, right. so really everybody compares by... fentanyl to heroin. It's a thousand times or a hundred times stronger or whatever, but it's not the same substance. Correct. Correct. Well, we've Correct. already gone it, through that. That doesn't have the legs. It doesn't last as long. You have to shoot more of it all day long. But why can the kids not feel it, this weak-ass fentanyl on the streets? Why can they not? Like he says, you don't even. Somebody's watering it down. You know, somebody's just watering it all down. Or, or then, someone's not even putting. It's like the. It, I had a. Right now, I've got people coming from Oklahoma, right? I had a couple that were doing math and meth, meth, right? Meth. That, Big that, meth that, in Oklahoma. I know that. Huge. But but they're testing for fentanyl and they were shocked. They had no idea. They thought they were getting clean meth. I have a guy come in who thought there's he was fentanyl on fentanyl. in the meth in think wait a minute. Stop right there. So there's fentanyl in the meth in Oklahoma. Correct. Why would drug dealers do that? Probably feels good. Uh, you know, just following the trends on the coasts. I, I sure. I mean, they've heard some things, but this is the this is the odd part. Another guy, a little bit older guy, comes in and he says he's a fentanyl guy. Doesn't test for fentanyl. Tests for benzos. He's taking benzos, and, thinking it's and, fentanyl. And TCA, tricyclic antidepressant. Why do you test for a tricyclic antidepressant and benzos, but he thought he was doing fentanyl? Well, That's no, what he was I, ta I talked to a lab person, and Paul, we got to get my friend Paul Sampson on here. I think you know Paul. He, he works at a lab now. They test, you know, people can bring their drugs in and they'll test them or whatever. Uh, the the home test or the average like cup test that you have that costs four dollars will test uh -huh. positive for something that's a man-made molecularly changed thing and it doesn't necessarily mean it's that mm -hmm. substance you got to send it into a lab to well, make the, sure yeah, I'm, I'm going i'm going from lab results oh okay because you'll yeah, test no, positive for meth you'll test positive for meth and you really didn't take meth you took like some new mutation of ghb or something yeah but it's it, it the meth is rarely met only it's met amp and mdma so it is all these it's not a pure so it's mdma uh straight what's amphetamine GHB? and methamphetamine what's, what's uh, ghb chuck's in heaven with all these abbreviations yeah he <laughs> loves it <laughs> ghb is grievous bodily harm i think it was a band oh no that's gbh okay Okay. That's great big hair. GH, GHB is a drug that they're mixing with meth. That's right, what I that's, heard. Also, that's also a, a come down. A lot of guys used to use that. Uh, that was really big in the rave and the DJ thing, and it was considered a rape drug. Yeah. Because I knew a guy that got cut. Well, I didn't know him. He came into treatment with, with two liters, a two liter Pepsi bottle full of uh, <laughs> GHB. I thought that was MDA. Uh, MDMA is uh, ecstasy, and it's it's basically an amphetamine with a feely property. It's just boy, you are a you are a wise drug savant, Chuck. I don't oh, know any God. of this stuff. I just know heroin and cocaine. I, I know all, also. I don't know if we've gone into this, but the way we use drugs, the way I was taught to use drugs by both Top Jimmy and Anthony Kiedis, uh 
was intravenous. Boom, the blood comes up, boom, go. Mind blown by cocaine or meth, overwhelmed with uh, heroin, right? And then, like, that ruined all our lives pretty quickly from like 79 days <laughs> from 79 to 84 it ruined our lives. when the best music came out I think, no, I, I think, yeah i was high during the best music maybe that's why it's the best uh no my first time i do heroin's 1980 i'm 19 and by the time i go to my first rehab it's 1987 so you're talking about seven years that's pretty fast from your first exposure to your first rehab, that's pretty fast back then. That was pretty back fast. Back then, that, that was really fast. It took right? people 30 years to get yeah. treatment. So, uh, yeah, it took, it took me uh, 23 years to get in. So everybody knows who knows me well. I became kind of obsessed with two iconic figures in the rock music scene, uh, Jim Morrison and Keith Richards. Those are my two heroes. And Graham Parsons. Like if there was a, a Mount Rushmore of Bob's heroes, it would be. Okay, you, you know, need one more. For yeah, Mount Rushmore. Uh, I, I said, said vicious. I hate to say it. I'm kind of embarrassed. <laughs> okay. by it. Oh, my God. You wouldn't even put Joe Strummer up there. Although you no, raved about Joe it's Strummer a junkie, forever. It's the junkie hall of fame. It's the people, the iconic junkies, Mike. It would be because everyone would say Johnny Thunders. I wasn't really that into Johnny Thunders. Oh, I love I was definitely, it was obvious that you love Johnny Thunders. LAMF is unfuckwithable. That is an almost perfect record. So, well, if you ever saw Mike Mar playing guitar with it all low down to the ground, and yeah, he liked Johnny Thunders. So, we're all inspired by people. But my junkie inspiration was, you know, Keith Richards primarily. Graham Parsons, his buddy, I thought of myself and Anthony as kind of like Graham Parsons and Keith Richards. And uh, and then and then Sid, because not the Sid Vicious. I don't really know of Sid Vicious. I was not even into punk. Really, I was kind of circus magazine punk, 77, 76, 77. Um, but from the movie Sid and Nancy, I, I like I like that image of Sid. He I like Gary, I I like Gary Oldman's portrayal of Sid Vicious. That's what I would, that's what it's art copying art, copying life, copying art. So, and, and Jim Morrison, you know, those four junkies. So fast forward, I'm reading Keith Richards book whenever it came out, a life, right? I get to the hardcore junkie part right before exile on main street. And there's this whole paragraph. I, I, I took a picture of my phone and I sent it to everyone I knew like, are you fucking kidding me? So I lived my whole life based around trying to be like a junkie like this guy. He never mainlined drugs. Did you know that? He never shot and popped the blood vessel and shoot it directly. He always intermuscular. Keith Richards. Really? Yeah. No wonder he lasted poser. 40 years. Yeah. What a poser. <laughs> no, don't you feel that way on a certain level? Feel well, I didn't even feel like what a poser. I felt like you misled me, sir. I would like, <laughs> I, sir, <laughs> sir, you excuse me. <laughs> I was trying to survive shooting speedballs 24 hours a day for 10 years to be like you, and you never even done that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you well, start to realize, like, oh, the real speedball people die. Whoa, whoa, you know, John Belushi, uh. You know, 
I'll bet you uh-huh. Brian Jones hit it up in his vein. No, he didn't. I don't think he even did, though. I don't think Jimi Hendrix even did heroin. It's all a myth. It's a rock so. and roll myth. But, we but were the know, generation. Uh, we were the generation that took it to the astral plane, as Jonathan Richmond <laughs> would say. We took it to the astral plane, the fourth <laughs> dimension of <laughs> <laughs> drug use. I read something the other day that said that Jimi Hendrix only had a four-year commercial music run. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He only made records and was like a professional musician for four no, years. No, he played another. He was only a recording artist as Jimi Hendrix. He played guitar in Little Richard's band. He played in the Isley Brothers. He played guitar in bands, but he didn't. He wasn't a so. He wasn't a singer. Huh. He was. He played yeah. music. Well, I, know, for I know he played around. I I thought he got thrown out. I thought he didn't never made it into Isley, Isley Brothers. I thought he tried out for them and didn't didn't make the cut because. No, he wasn't a singer in Isley Brothers. He was a guitar player in the band. You don't even hmm. see them when they play live, right? Unless it's the Chitlin circuit. The, anyways, the, the point is that we, I don't know how I ended up shooting drugs that way. It was Top Jimmy. And he's just like white trash from Kentucky. Like that's how they do it there. And he brought it to LA. But <laughs> I don't know. I guarantee I, you Top Jimmy learned how to do that in LA. From who though? Who was who was on, encouraging Kit. that? Look at Kit, his one of his best friends, a roadie for X, uh, died of AIDS really early on when AIDS yeah. first came out. When it first came out, he was there. It was <laughs> right in that there, sounds- man. Kit no, but was- isn't it, it? But and then like Bowie never used intravenous drugs. Iggy did, I think. I think Iggy Pop did. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he did. Uh, are you sure, sure? We should probably uh, read his biography. Well, he I don't know. didn't either. Not that no, many people are open Bowie, about Bowie it. Bowie you know? snorted like everything. He snorted it. I know, but that's a little different than what we were doing, Chuck. We I know. Were, I, oh, I know. Way different. That's why I was a little disappointed because he's singing songs about junkies and and all this stuff. And then I, I, I read and read and read, and mostly it was cocaine. Yeah. Was, was his big God, thing. He, and then when you he, know, you know there's, there's something I have about junkie chic. There's a booking picture of David Bowie got arrested in Philadelphia for coke or something. Have you ever seen it? No. He must. He must. Yes. He must weigh. He must weigh one eleven, probably one (laughs) oh eight, maybe. And I and so I have that picture in the guest house in the living room. Everybody that looks at it goes, "Oh my God, who is that?" And I say, "It's Bowie." Look, and they go, "Oh my God, what's wrong with him?" To me, that's David Bowie. That's what he's supposed to look like. (laughs) That's, that's what, what he looked like for a long time. The that's thin the white Duke looks like. Anorexic look because that's what he was living on. And I don't it's think just it's, so funny. Why does everybody say it's an unhealthy look? I think it's a good look. Be- I think it's a good look. Because it looks like he, he needs a sandwich. I just feel bad. I would take <laughs> him in, I would feed him and wrap him in a blanket because he must be cold. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, anyway, so that romantic notion of drugs, I realized like if somehow I had met different people and just been encouraged to smoke heroin or not do heroin or whatever, my life would be completely different. And I heard this term the other day. um, I wouldn't change a thing. I would change like three or four things, Chuck. <laughs> yeah, how can, how can anybody say I wouldn't change a thing? I wouldn't change a when thing. When you know more now, when, when you know more. I would more, change, 
I would change three or four major things and intravenously using drugs would be one of them. Yeah. If I could finish this life and do another one, if I could just ride this one out to the end and then do another one, I would just do it as science. Now, Bob, you know, what make, you, like a couple big different decisions. Wait, Bob, what do you mean by that? I just, I think what shooting drugs into your, you know, what we're talking about mainlining for everyone at home. There's a lot of our friends know exactly what I'm talking about, but most don't because it's not that popular anymore. So to register in your vein and blood come up and shoot cocaine or meth or heroin. That's how I was taught to do drugs. I didn't know any better. I just thought that's how you do drugs. And what right. that leads to is a chasing of the rush. It's not an enjoyment of being high. It's a chasing of that rush, right? That's so Keith, Richard, for me Keith Richards, I'm assuming he's just like, he gets a gram of dope. He puts a, you know, puts a good shot in, shoots in his butt and sits around and plays guitar and feels great all day. I'm doing that every 15 minutes, Chuck, until I run out of money. <laughs> <laughs> my, my entering, my entering of the drug world with my route of administration prevented me from enjoying drugs. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Keith Richards enjoyed drugs like crazy. He talks very positively about him in his book because mm. he had a great understand. I don't know. Look at, look at him and Anita Pollenberg. They used heroin from 1968 till Keith Richards until 80, her well beyond into the nineties. She used drugs. Anita Pallenberg is the all-time champion of drugs. She used drugs from like 1968 to 1990. How long is that? Like 22 years of shooting heroin? It's exactly 22 years. I mean, William Burroughs. Who does that? William, William Burroughs was on methadone, Mike. Before you were in the monster, we played in Kansas, in Lawrence, Kansas. A kid from the college radio said, I hear you're a big William Burroughs fan. And I said, uh, to say the least, I remember when a narcotic addict was respected. And, you know, like that speech that he gives in, in Drugstore Cowboy, such a great yeah. speech. Um, so the guy, the guy says, you know, me too, and me and my friends go, and he goes to the clinic at the hospital here at the college. So if you want to get up early and just sit in the courtyard, he'll come walking up and you can talk to him. Hmm. And I was like, William Burroughs goes to the methadone clinic at Kansas University Medical Center every morning. I got to see that. And then I got there and I was late. He had already gone. He was gone. He had gotten there or whatever. And the kid met me and said, it's like 930. I said, 937. What's the fucking difference? <laughs> hey, I'm a rock and roll star. It's all Listen, too early. <laughs> why are you not complimenting me that here I'm here at 930? Are you fucking kidding me? But uh, but Burroughs was on methadone for most of his life, I think. Huh. Well, yeah, I, I mean that makes sense, right? So that's a that's a lesson for harm reduction. Look at how productive he was. Look at how many books he wrote. Look at how many public appearances he made. Look at how stable his life was. He was on methadone from like 1960 on, probably. Wow. So so, anyways, there's a lot of we were fed a bunch of lies and and romanticism and and pop culture shenanigans about drugs right and the drug addicts themselves lou reed keith richards uh 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 
uh, Graham Parsons died a little too early to even register with the public. But those icons of junkiedom never spoke about it. You're right, Chuck. They never spoke about it. Because it was like a taboo, or you're not supposed to admit it, or the cops will be after you, or whatever. So Iggy Pop, David Bowie, uh, Keith Richards, they're never going to speak about drugs. You go to the mo modern era, we all talked about drugs all the time, still do. we got a podcast about drugs, <laughs> right? Yeah, but it's, it's but a I don't. But, but let me tell you something. I don't think there's a lot of romantic notions about drugs, not, not for the past 25 years. I don't think you can point to anybody other than snoop dog and willie nelson celebrating weed i don't think there's a lot of people like me and perry and and, and anthony and mike and texan the horseheads and jeffrey lee all kind of celebrating being junkies you don't see that hmm. you haven't seen that in 25 years nobody well, is celebrating no that was he died in 94 that was almost 30 years ago Oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know no, that's a thing. Oh, that's that been a long goes, time, isn't it? <laughs> no, it, it is. It is. Wait, it's twenty-three. No. How long? Yeah, twenty-three and six. It's twenty-nine years ago he died. Jesus, thirty years. <laughs> We're old, Mike. <laughs> like, how long yeah. did you think it was, Mike? Let's just let's just let's indulge this for a second, Chuck. How long ago did you think Kurt Cobain died, Mike? In oh, your you mind, know, like, maybe twenty years ago or something. Oh, okay. Well, that's not that that's far off. Close. It's only off by about a decade. That's pretty good <laughs> because, because I, I don't think it's like nineteen eighty-five as being that long ago, but it was. But Damn. but but name me one artist that's celebrating heroin use. No one. <clears throat> no, just the just the dumb non-artists, like the people that get played because of SoundCloud or because of YouTube or because the people that don't have the people that release one song at a time. I'm talking about real I'm, musicians. I'm I know, I know, but I'm saying that other than those those fringe elements where everybody can record at home and you. You know, probably, so you can probably, dope. I can I can tell you, and this is probably fifteen years ago. Amy Winehouse and Pete Doherty, probably a little bit. Pete you know, said Pete, never bragged about being a drug addict. He didn't. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, there's that Katie song from the second record, but up the bracket really didn't talk about getting loaded that much. It, it talked it about more drinking than anything. Well, when you go through yeah. the Jane's Addiction catalog, there's a lot of celebration of decadence and drugs and sex on those records. Mm. Yeah, especially especially Ritual. It's basically a song about sex and heroin, an album about sex and heroin. What a great album! I know that I was at Habitual. Yes, that's exactly what it says. It's what is it? What is it? <laughs> what is ritual? What is ritual? What does that mean? What is it the, the habit ritual? <laughs> oh, okay, then it is about drugs. Is it? Yes. Oh, okay. I was right about one thing. <laughs> Gotta make a note for that for Pete Weiss. I was right about something, Pete Weiss. Um, <laughs> but but so so get this. So we were kind of sober when that record came out. Like me and a, like we were all trying to get sober. What year does ritual come out? Ritual uh, uh, came out in 1990. Yeah, was I right? I was right about something again, two times in Whoa. a row. What? So, so by 1990, I've gone to Hazelden twice. I've gone to Exodus like probably three times, 
and I'm sober a lot, a lot of the time, really. Cause, cause once you were in the music business, Bob Timmons, AA rehab clutches, you couldn't really get out of it. Like if you used everybody be at your house, right? <laughs> it was yeah. really irritating, right? So I would start using that. Hey, you know, Chris Hoy and some people would come over, like you know, Anthony, like, hey, what? knock on your door. You're not gonna ruin your high. Yeah, yeah, fucking come over to my house. What, what right do you? I remember thinking, what right do you have to come to my house and talk all this AA shit? I remember thinking, yeah, that. just trying to, just trying to help. <laughs> one time, one time, I lived in this condo on Sixth and Sixth near La Brea. And I was kicking, you know, I'd always, almost made it to day, it was like night three, I think. And I was just using benzos and vodka, right? And I was just kicking because I was sick of it. I used to kick a lot. Mike, didn't you used to kick a lot? I used uh, to yeah. kick and stay away from heroin for a couple months. Every time months. I went on tour, I had to kick. Yeah. So I would, but I would do it at home and I never had an intention of being sober. I would just kick heroin, do coke, drink, smoke crack, drink, blah, take benzos. So I'm doing that and then knock on the door and it's the Navarro twins and somebody else. And I was like, what the fuck, man? How do these people come to your house? And then I remember Chuck saying, I would never come unsolicited, unsolicited <laughs> to come into somebody's house. And then yeah. what do I do for a living? I go to people's houses unsolicited <laughs> and knock on their door. Right? <laughs> so when Ritual came out, we were sober. And I remember Dave Navarro telling me, hey, we're shooting a video. It was at one of those super secret society places. We're shoot shooting a video tonight all night long. Right? And... Yeah. I said, where? I said, this supermarket in Venice, you should come by. And I, you know, I was just bored or whatever and sober and couldn't sleep and whatever. And I went over there. I forget who I went with. I went with somebody else too. And I remember pulling up and it's that supermarket. It's a tiny little supermarket that's on Washington Boulevard, just west of the 405. I think it might still be there. And I remember pulling in, there's like, because videos back then was for bands like us. It wasn't some big production with catering and shit. It was just like 20 people, like in a parking lot with, you know, Nancy Steiner doing costumes out of the trunk of her old car. And, you know, it was just like a low budge video. And so we were there. And I was there when they did the Soul Train dance thing down the aisle of the supermarket. Oh, I think I, I think video. I. Yeah, I think I might have even done it, but it didn't make the cut. It was, I think me and Norwood went. Anyways, <laughs> I remember those things out in front, the little 10 cent ride things. That's, mm -hmm. I, I think, the end of the video. They were, they were out in front. And I, I know that that video wasn't planned. It was like, I know how Perry is like, well, just go to a supermarket and we'll fucking dance the soul, soul train dance thing <laughs> down the aisle. I just know it was not planned. It's one of the greatest rock videos. I just love that video. Yeah, that was, that was really cool. That was one of the cooler videos that was happening at the time. Fast forward to 2001, 2000. I start working on the most high budgeted rock videos of all time, probably for, for with Chris Hoy and Andrew Clark and Chris Bohm and 
we were like a crew and we just got in with this art director and she liked us as a team. We're all hard workers, except for me, really, honestly. <laughs> we are all hard workers except for me. So if there's five of us and four of us are hard workers, aren't we hard workers? Doesn't That's it cover over of the crew? Eighty <laughs> percent of the crew kicked it out. Covers, it covers over me. Being, yeah. I remember we were painting these flats. They're like three foot wide by ten feet tall or whatever. We're painting them, and we had them all lined up at this studio over in Silver Lake. And I hadn't even finished half of one, and Andrew Clark had finished like four. And he's like, you've got to be the slowest painter in the world. And I, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really into painting. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait a second. I'm into the 250 bucks a day. I'm into that. Right. I'm really not right, into what you, you have, have to do. What you have to do for it, I'm really not into. This this just kind of blows. <laughs> it's like manual labor. I don't like it. No, it's hard. Money. I, I wasn't know. even I wasn't even thinking like a princess. It's just like really hard. And then once you get halfway, you gotta flip it around and yeah, that's hard. Man. You gotta ask somebody for help. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't made for that kind of job. I was made for <laughs> so, I know. so we started working on these videos. I swear to God, we did every big rock video known to man. Two million dollar rock video budgets. Britney wow. Spears and Britney Spears and Elton Elton. We did the Elton John Lion King video. I think or Elton John and Leanne Rhymes. Wow. Like we did every video. Uh, we did Destiny's Child, as I talk about all the time. We did, we did every one of those big iconic uh, videos of that era, right? And I remember thinking, like, the great videos, like Teen Spirit. I was at it was at Fairfax High School gym. Ben Steele was at that little market in Venice. Like that, there was no plan for that. There was no production. There was no. There was no team. There was no guys painting flats. There was nothing. <laughs> and those videos are a million times better than this shit. No. Oh, you know one thing I did? Faith Hill. I did do one thing. And I, I'm going to take credit for it. And some of you at home can watch this video on YouTube. So there's a Faith Hill video, the country singer. And they wanted a wall like from walmart from home depot like the walls that you string the vines through yeah and they wanted it a trellis a ladder whatever they are yeah okay so they wanted a backdrop of that and they wanted all um uh like ivy through it and then sparkling lights and i was in charge of it and it didn't go so well and it will but, but <laughs> wait a minute that wasn't your type of work either <laughs> <laughs> that is time consuming because wait, i made a mistake <laughs> i started at the bottom with the vines the bottom is not going to be in the shot i should have started at the top <laughs> and gone so I down got all the vines and then you got to weave it through and then finally i'm just like fuck it and i was taking a break and i was kind of goofing off why didn't you but turn I'm it upside down <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't think of that because that's hard. Didn't you hear him? No, the, I didn't. Even, I'm so dumb. I didn't even think of it. <laughs> I could. No, I could have gotten the the guys, the, the hardworking team, to flip it upside down. Yeah, I didn't they're think only of that. like eight by eight. Or so something. then I I fell off. I was drinking Starbucks and kind of hiding behind and stuff and just not doing much. And then it, they called for that. That we're going to do that uh, 
the scene where she's against the thing. Where is it? And I said, uh, hold on one second. <laughs> I, I literally not touched it for like three hours. I thought, I thought it was going to be the next day because these video shoots would go like three days. It's like two o'clock in the morning. Like, why do you want to do that shot right now, Joseph? His name was Joseph Kahn, the director. And I was like, sure you want to do that? It's like 2 a.m. Like, I don't, I don't, it's not, it's not a hundred percent ready. Chuck, it wasn't 20% ready. <laughs> <laughs> but I had stapled the lights to the thing because that was easy. You got a staple gun, you put the light down, so the lights were on it. So then somehow we just said, I think Koi said, or somebody said, well, let's just join it and she can stand in the very end. So we took the two that were supposed to be flat, covered in vines with lights, and we made it a V. And she was in the middle of it. It looks so dope. Look at it in the video, Faith Hill. <laughs> I my laziness created that great shot. See what <laughs> I'm saying? It's That's being at the spur of the moment. Spur of the moment. Figure it out. Make it work. Right. American ingenuity. You know, I'm not sure you can take credit for that, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> because they had to adjust. <laughs> they had to adjust and come up with something new and better because of your inept. But it looks way better building. than what it would have looked like. For sure it does. After Please. they had positioned them in the in the way that they thought looked good. And then you're taking yeah. credit. Yeah. And she's she plays like just she's and we had to build a kitchen and the kitchen blows up and catches fire. Remember when the videos all everything went to hell and blew up and caught fire? <laughs> yeah. Remember, yeah. remember all those videos? I do. That was twisted sister <laughs> era though. I, I worked I worked on some of those. Like water starts shooting out of the sink and then she's all the clamped and like <laughs> how stupid. How stupid is that shit? How dumb is rock videos? Yeah. Uh, you know, they stopped showing them, didn't they? Well, they They're didn't stop making them. Anymore. They didn't stop making them. There's a great video by by this is a great band, actually. Well, it's a great I don't know if you call it a band, but Lol and Budgie from The Cure and Susie and the Banshees have formed a band. They made a record called Lol and Budgie, I think. And mm -hmm. they have all these different people that like their band sing. And one of them is James from LCD Sound System. And the song is about LA. And it's the cool, look it up. It's one of the coolest videos called Los Angeles. The song is called Los Angeles. And, and it starts out, Los Angeles eats its children. Los Angeles eats its own or something like that. It's just so cool. Like two drummers, like bum, 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 like Adam and the Ants kind of. But with the James guy. Really? You just make your own videos and they make their own videos nowadays on iPhone 13s. Yeah, they made it. It's a black and white video. They probably made it. Yeah, on their phones. So yeah. great. But then, yeah, I, I haven't heard their stuff. I listen to a lot of their podcasts, though. It's interesting. But they have a, they, oh, yeah, it comes from their podcast. They made an album. The song, you should check out the song by James, uh, whatever, Murphy or whatever his name is. That that song is really good. That, that Los Angeles eats its children. Los Angeles eats its own. And being from Los Angeles, he's an outsider from New York. I give them I give them many props because that's how I feel. I think we eat, we eat our children. I think we don't give a fuck about anything but ourselves as a culture kind of. Like is there is there any culture in America that's more traumatizing to children than Los Angeles? I'm sure parts of New York would give you a run for your money and parts yeah. of Florida would give Troy, you a run for your yeah, money. Yeah, sure, man.
Portland and Seattle. No, but it's not. But they don't have the Detroit doesn't have the population. There's probably three million kids in Los Angeles County who don't have food to eat in Los Angeles on a consistent basis. Well, maybe it's a million. What if it's a if it's a hundred? It's a hundred too many in the wealthiest city in the wealthiest country in the history of civilization. Children don't know whether they're going to have breakfast tomorrow. Yeah, it sucks. Like, like it sucks. I, uh, Elvis has friends that, you know, there's food instability. There's, there's, there's home instability. It's like fucked up in this fucking city. It's just amazing. So this song kind of points out, like, because we're the city that portrays ourselves as the most caring, the most loving. At the Academy Awards, we care about everybody. Let's list all the people that whose feelings we are so concerned with. Yet, you know, million children in Los Angeles are living in below poverty level. Yeah, and and we. And Beverly Hills and the West Side, they love to pat them. So we pat ourselves on the back all the time with how wonderful we are. And James Murphy just says, Los Angeles eats its children. I love that. <laughs> I do. I, I want to hear it because I, I know Lowell and Budgie have been talking about that for a long time. Um, it took them a long how time to start? put it together. They, how do you make, here's one thing I didn't ask them, but. How do you make a record just two drummers? How the fuck does that? How do you do that? Where is it? You know, it obviously the, begins with a beat, right? <laughs> I don't think it starts with lyrics. <laughs> but you know, it, it probably does start with a beat. But it was it was one of those things where they all knew enough people, and when they had talked about it, it was just the idea of they talked so much about their past that they were like, "I miss making music." It wasn't even about let's make a record and tour it. It was about, let's create something. And so they, they put their brains together. And the way those two get on, they are two of the most gentle human beings you've ever heard. The way, right. the way they're so, they don't step on people's toes when they could. They don't talk shit. They're, and they're drummers? Yeah, they're I drummers. <laughs> and they put together whole sentences. Wow. <laughs> no, no offense to my drummer friends out there. <laughs> yeah. <a> few. Like, <laughs> how much, how much, like, singers are kind of, I always feel like us singers that don't play anything are kind of like outsiders, right? So there's a lot of singers. If you're not a musician and you're a singer, you're kind of an outsider. Well, but, it's because you don't help but, load in or out. I would help sometimes. Well, with Mike, See, with Mike, you had to, with Mike, you had to carry him in, let alone his stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, but, but let me get this straight, though. I'm telling you, there is a real displeasure between guitar players and drummers. Bass players kind of are stuck in the middle. Like, who do I choose to align with? And they usually, uh, I don't know about that, man. My, I mean, my my best friend in Texas, the horses, was Smog. And, you know, I mean, I rock, rock was... You manipulated him to be on your side of the argument. That's what I'm saying. No, Smog was very independent, but, you know... Um, but he always aligned he, with you. But another intelligent, <laughs> another intelligent guy. That, I'm not very sure guy. about that, but we just ended up... Better. Let me tell you how how the concert business works in the 80s, Chuck. So Thelonious Monster's coming along. We're doing good. We got the Sammy Hager weekend song. We're coming up. And you move your way up. We go from the Rajis or whatever, Cathay de Grand or somewhere else to Variety Arts. And we're headlining 
the palace on Vine. That's about as high as anybody had gotten. The Chili Peppers had opened for Oingo Boingo at the Gibson Amphitheater. But that's about as high as anybody like us got in 87, 88. Headlining palace. I'm feeling it everywhere I go. People like me. I got my hat. I'm like, God, yeah, Bobby Forrest from Thelonious Monster. Are you oh, sure come that's right not, in. you're not talking about the country club? No, no, no. I'm talking about we... the palace. I'm talking about the palace. Oh. It's you, me, Rob, and Chris Hansen. I have video of it. So let me tell oh. you the story. So I get there. I'm, you know, I always love coming really late right before we played, Chuck, because that's what Jim Morrison did. So that's what I do. And I get there, and there's still people like at the box office at like we're supposed to go on at nine thirty or nine something, nine fifteen. It's like nine o'clock. There's people paying to get in. It says sold out. It's like it's like obvious. There's people in the entryway, crowded. I walk in, it's totally crowded. Play the great one, a great show. I, I have a video because Elijah was with me and he sat on the drum riser for part of it. And people give me shit about that all the time. You had your five year old son yeah. on stage and you didn't have headphones on. What the fuck is wrong with you? So then Pete goes to get paid and they say the Brick Van Satin's there with his posse in the ticket booth and, and says, We didn't sell out. And I, and I was, and Pete came back to say we didn't sell out because we were supposed to get like a $500 bonus or something. So I go down there. I go, Rick, what are you talking about? There's people, the, the, there's people everywhere. How many more people can fit in here? And he's the sweetest guy. He goes, Pop, you're 11 short. I'm so sorry. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so <laughs> dumb. I'm so dumb, but I think I'm so smart. I go to the girl who's counting and counting out or whatever, and I say, I want to buy 11 tickets because they were only like $12. <laughs> and he goes, no, no, no. And he comes walking across. He goes, you can't do that. I go, yeah, I can. If there's 11 tickets left and they're $12, I want to buy 11 tickets that for $130, yeah. $34. He goes, it doesn't apply. The show is over. You can't do that. <laughs> I was like, yes, I can. I want to uh, buy the 11 tickets that didn't sell. And then you owe me 500 bucks. Yeah. We sold out yeah. that show. It wasn't 11 short. It was probably 100 over. Oh, that's the oldest trick in the book, man. And you know, so man. sometimes I pulled that at everything else. After everything else, Chuck, it's not, it's not, un it's not unfathomable that uh, things don't go the right way with a band playing a, with a, you know, a, a promoter, bands and promoters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cuckoo's Nest, you yeah. never got paid. You never got paid at the Cuckoo's Nest. Did you get paid, Mike, ever at the Cuckoo's Nest? Uh, I only opened, I played that band Funeral that I had in 70. Oh, Tex and the Horseheads didn't play? No, or? we never played the Cuckoo's Nest. It was long. What about when it opened? Got. No, but the Cuckoo's Nest changed its name to like Concert West or something. Yeah, I know. It was the same, it was the same place. Yeah. It was the same yeah, fucking place. But it was a different owner. Nobody, no punk bands played there. It sucked. And anyway, Thelonious Monster played there. Oh, well, we there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. no punk rock bands. Look at that. <laughs> that was an insult. That, that's I, when I saw Social Distortion there was as the music co concert factory. Oh, what was, was it called? Concert, concert factory? factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, was maybe. it Jerry Roach? Yeah. Was Jerry no, Roach no, still no, the owner? It was, it was, it was, uh, some weird guy that kind of looked like a fat Paul McCartney. Oh, really? 
Yeah, yeah it was but, dead. But, but, By but then it was dead. Everything, but no, it really wasn't. There were still bands coming through, and there was still a lot of local stuff happening. You but know who was? But wait, Chuck, you're not listening. You know who wasn't playing there? Funeral. <laughs> uh, well, we played oh, very God. early on. Man. <laughs> you know, the early days of the Cuckoo's Nest, man, it, it kind of goes undocumented in, in that documentary. It's you know, there, there were bands like the Voyeurs that didn't, you know, that didn't get any credit for playing there. I mean, all no, of but there was a big band. I saw all the cool bands. I saw Fabulous well, Poodles. I saw Fabulous Poodles there. I saw uh, the Vipers there. The Ramones, the Cramps. Japanese. I really, I did the, I did the spotlight at the Ramones. I saw, I saw the New York Dolls there. Mm-hmm. Without David, the without Club, David no. Johansson, with Sylvain. David Johansson, no, you did. yes, yeah. yes, they came and played. Yes, they did, and I was there. The New York Dolls. Yep. So yeah, lots of great bands played there. Why are you saying it's all punk rock? Well, when it was Fab- Fabulous Roach. Poodles. What was the song of Fabulous Poodles? Mirror, mirror, mirror. Oh, God, star. are you kidding me? I love that song. Let's go straight to Kajagugu. <laughs> and the poodles. I think they played together there, didn't they? Do you not? Do you not like the song "Turning Japanese," Mike, by the Vipers? The Vapors. The Vapors. The Vapors. Yeah, the Vapors. That was one hit. And it was kind of. Stupid. Oh no, no! They had two great records, and they just oh, released come on, Chuck. One a couple years ago, nobody yeah. fucking likes the Vapors. Are you mean to tell me <laughs> that you're gonna you go like, like I'm an expert? You have no on. idea. I love Dude, David. I Kenton love that Steve song. Smith. Well, here's the thing. This is how dumb I... I've always been kind of this way. No matter where I am, I'm kind of smart and kind of dumb all at the same time. So the song Turning Japanese, for some reason, I heard on Rodney Bingenheimer. I loved it. I got the single. I was playing it all the time. I was. I just loved it. It was a it. great pop record. I know. But get this. I, I. But wait. But wait. My friend Luis Garcia comes over and goes... Uh, he was laughing at it and said something like, that's about jacking off. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, turning Japanese. But closing, did you know that? It was not. That's a yes, bad it was about day. jacking yeah. off. Yeah, I, I, I heard that I, too. I beg to differ. Okay, I, I got a question for both Bob That's a term Chuck. for jacking off. Mike, Who? that's a term for jacking off, turning Japanese. Who cares? It's a stupid song and a stupid <laughs> Uh, okay i got a question for you if you guys are so (laughs) chuck especially who wrote and who played i beat her with a rake of the ruts band called the ruts i beat her with a rag and made her pay for her mistakes that punk rock song the ruts the ruts it was called the ruts the weasels the weasels what did the ruts sing i don't know ruts had a song like that (laughs) <laughs> that was like i beat a home no oh you know what the ruts had i think the ruts had a song called stevie nick sit on my face that's right I think the that, ruddles that, that was the ruddles the ruddles yeah it was the ruddles. <laughs> and weren't the ruddles the fake beatles sit on yeah, my face he's sit wrong. on my he's face wrong. they were an english band the ruddles that sit on my face stevie Nicks. yeah they were a comedy band <laughs> they no, were better than the vapors it? no they weren't oh, the you have were no great. idea So we're going down a rabbit hole. So the good news reporting from the streets is let's let's wrap it up. Good news reporting from the streets. There's some weak ass fentanyl out there. Let's celebrate the weak ass fentanyl. Yeah. Yes. Golf clap. Golf clap for the weak ass fentanyl. Might have to. 
Yeah, you might have to spend more now on your cheap. So our, our work our work is done here, Chuck. There's some, now it's finally finally the fentanyl is as weak as ass as the heroin. Hey, you know when you go to a hamburger <laughs> wow. joint and you when it first opens and it's a great ass hamburger, it's like huge and big, and then like after years, it just turns smaller and smaller, kind of yeah. like the Big Mac. The, the bread is the, cheaper. Yeah. It's just <laughs> fucking <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, Burger King used to be huge, man. Now it's a tiny little burger. Yeah, same Fat thing. Burger. Fat Burger used to have hamburgers in it. Now it's like you can't even. It's just chili with something down in there. Small down. It's like a pickle. It's, it's like the size. The meat is the size of a pickle. Same thing. Well, it's the, a business model. The fentanyl is I, a business model. I hope oh, it's the kids become disillusioned with the fentanyl. Say it's no no goddamn good anymore and walk away from it. And migrate and I, back I towards the weak the ass. Can they go back towards the weak ass heroin? Are you cool with that? I don't. No. I don't even know that that's around. <laughs> no boutique you know, heroin, think, man. Bob, do you remember? <laughs> you know, do you remember that shit we used to get down in West Hollywood? That shit was fucking yeah, massively uh, from, powerful. You from could, uh, you could from, definitely. What was I mean, there's name? heroin that'll 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 Fa Fabrice, Fabrice, and uh, who is the guy that would come on the motorcycle? Yeah, that was some French heroin there. Yeah. What was the guy's name that, again? I, I forget. Think it was Fabrice. Uh, Fabrice. Yeah. Fabrice is the king of NA in Paris. Oh, really? Yeah, he's still alive. He's a great artist. He painted a picture of me. So and he's they, such were, a good guy. Uh, they had a little runners. They had they had this little business where they would just zoom up to your house on a motorcycle. You'd come out and take it and then zoom off. Yeah, and he would say, he would call you back from. He would page me, call you back, and he'd say, "Meet me at Beverly and Sweetser in twenty minutes." Yeah, Beverly and Sweetser. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> Heroin used to be illegal, Chuck. Back when Mike and I were kids. Yeah, you couldn't just I, shoot I it up between your toes <laughs> on the street. <laughs> no, it's, it's gross. But may, maybe, maybe the kids will get disillusioned with the whole. Thing. maybe the with with how quickly trends come and go now and music people come and go and fashion comes and goes i went to jail for 10 days for what's called a health code violation just for having a syringe and a crack pipe in my pocket oh, i used to go man. to jail just for paraphernalia chuck let mm. alone fucking heroin and fentanyl and meth like they, it's crazy yeah. tell you find a bathroom to do it in please. those were the good old days no they well well here's the question did it keep us in line like you know it might have kept you alive yeah, yeah it might have been might have been a couple of you know what they love to say uh in rehab when i was going all the time they go you know they say it's not a revolving door around here and i'd be like yeah yeah one person made sense to me I'm glad you're here. It was Harold Owens. He said, I'm glad you're here, Bob. You're always welcome here. I don't want you to die. And I know if you're here with us, you're not going to die. That's why rehab was great. Like people like that. Not like, what are you going to get it? It's not a revolving door. Other counselors would say that to me all the time. Harold Owens said, I'm so glad you're here. I know you're not going to die tonight. That's yeah. a beautiful thing. Don't die, that people. Is. Don't die. Don't die, I everybody. Good night, hey. Thank God. Thank More God. More on the Ohana Fest next week. Ohana Fest, get your tickets. Like I said last week, if you don't go to this thing, like, don't, don't be fucking whining to me. You see, like, exactly. five, <laughs> five, five of my favorite people All right, in one weekend. All right. See you later. Good night. Good night, Chuck. Good night. Good night.